The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today my guest is Eric Olson. I heard Eric speak at the Association of Healthcare Journalists meeting in Philadelphia this spring, and he spoke about food safety, an issue on everyone's plate. Eric is the director of food programs at the Pew Charitable Trust. He was deputy staff director and general counsel of the Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works until November 2008. He has 25 years of experience in environmental policy and consumer advocacy. He holds a law degree from the University of Virginia School of Law, where he served as an editor of the Environmental Law Journal. He also holds a degree from Columbia College of Columbia University, where he created an independent major in environmental biology and policy. I can't think of anyone better to talk about food safety, food policy, and public health. Welcome, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we are here in quite a situation with regard to food safety. I was just in New York City last week, and there was a big ticker tape along the Fox News building decrying salads and E. coli risk and how food safety has simply become part of our mainstream conversation. Last summer, of course, we dealt with the eggs out of Iowa every day. I get some sort of notice that there's been a food recalled. Tell me something. What are our answers with regard to solving our food safety crisis? Well, the basic problem with our food supply is, you know, we we obviously have made a lot of progress. I think it's worth noting um, in the last 50 years that our food is probably safer than it was some years ago. But I think the fundamental problem is that our whole food safety system has focused primarily on reacting to food contamination after it happens rather than preventing the contamination up front. So that has been something of a help to track down illnesses after people get sick and to figure out what caused it. But I think that what we really need and what a new law that was just enacted in January of this year would do is focus us much more on prevention of foodborne illness and prevention of contamination of the food supply before it occurs. But unfortunately, implementation of that law is at at significant risk because of some recent budget cuts that the House of Representatives just passed. And you're talking, of course, about the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act, which was signed into law on January 4th. However, food safety comes at a price Tell me what happened about the budget. Well, it's hard to believe that here's a law that had very broad bipartisan support. It had uh, over 70 members of the Senate out of 100 um, voted for it, um, with many Republicans supporting it. In the House, there was broad bipartisan support for the bill. And what's happened is there 
obviously, you know, we are in a budget crunch now and everybody's worried about the federal budget, but we think that fundamentally a strong FDA and strong food safety is a basic requirement that everyone expects our, our government to ensure that our food is not contaminated because honestly, there isn't any backup system out there. Um, if FDA isn't out there making sure that our national and, frankly, international food supply is safe, there really isn't anyone else with the resources and expertise and power to fix it. So what we're facing now, unfortunately, is a major slash in the FDA budget just on food safety. Believe it or not, the House just a week ago passed a bill that would cut $87 million out of FDA's food safety budget. So it's about an 11.5% cut out of FDA's food safety budget, which would cause pretty significant reductions in the amount of work they can do and clearly would mean they can't fully implement this new law. So will this take us back to funding levels that were less than what we were at in the beginning before we had the food safety law, or will this cut leave at least some money there to enact a part of the new legislation? Well, believe it or not, um, the bill that, <clears throat> excuse me, the bill that was just passed in the House, and we're hoping the Senate fixes this, but the bill that was just passed in the House would not only be less than this year's budget, um, but it would actually be less than the previous year's budget for food safety. So it's actually a very real cut in um, the ability of the Food and Drug Administration to go out and uh, make sure that the food that's put into the our food system is safe. There'll be fewer inspections. There'll be less protection of imports. There'll be less protection of produce and, and numerous other foods that this new law was intended to increase protections for. So we are very concerned about this. Now, the individuals voting on these cuts, were they not aware of the food safety troubles facing our country? Well, I think that there was a lot of rhetoric. There was there were some members that went down to the floor of the House and said our food supply is 99.9% safe and we shouldn't be wasting money on bureaucrats running around and and meddling in the work of, of um, our food suppliers. What that kind of ignores is, unfortunately, that we have about 48 million people every year in the U.S. that get sick from their food. We have over 120,000 people that are hospitalized, and these are Centers for Disease Control and Prevention numbers, on the CDC numbers, mm-hmm. and over... 3,000 people die every year in the U.S. from contaminated food. So we don't think that's good enough. We think, obviously, there's room for improvement there. And we also believe that, fundamentally, if the government can't make sure that a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is safe, how good is the federal government? I mean, they really need to be taking care of basic protections like this. Yeah, I guess the question really boils down to what is the role of the federal government and are we going to leave our food safety decisions and monitoring up to the industry that probably doesn't want to institute any sort of practices that would really cost their bottom line? Although, on the other hand, when we think about the cost of foodborne illness, I don't believe that we're even taking into account the full cost of these outbreaks in, in beyond the illness. 
but just with regard to the environmental costs as well of all the fossil fuel and all the natural resources that went into the food. I mean, we're talking about, I, I remember getting a notice some months ago, 400,000 pounds of ground beef recalled, 90,000 pounds of chicken nuggets. I mean, you've seen these numbers. That can't be cost effective for the industry. Well, it's a surprise to many people, but actually the food industry was very supportive of this new law mm. of the FDA Food Safety Modernization Act. They lobbied with us trying to get the law passed. And so the Grocery Manufacturers Association and many of the major food manufacturers had basically had it with a system that wasn't working. So the law had not been significantly updated in, in 72 years. And they were losing money hand over fist every time there was another recall, every time there was another outbreak. And, you know, just in a single outbreak, you remember the peanut recall and sure. an outbreak that happened a couple of years ago. After that happened, Congress held some hearings and Kellogg's went up to the House and testified that it would cost them 60 or $70 million just the recall from that one factory that made peanuts. They had so many different products that contained the, the peanuts in it that um, it cost them tens of millions of dollars. So that's just a little window onto how much all these recalls and illnesses are costing the industry. In fact, there was a study done that Pew Charitable Trust commissioned that looked at what the total costs are of foodborne illness. And it's actually available if people are interested at makeourfoodsafe.org. You can look it up there. And the estimate that was was made, it was by a former FDA economist, was that the total costs are over $100 billion a year from foodborne illness. And that doesn't even include the out-of-pocket expenses to the industry of the recalls. And just in Missouri as one example, the estimate was that the total cost was over $2 billion a year just in Missouri, for um, the health impacts, the health costs associated with foodborne illness and that, from each year. that can't factor in the cost of the loss of human life. Well, it's supposed to factor in medical costs, quality of life lost, and some estimate of what kind of lost life expectancy there is. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't put a dollar value on a person who dies in your family. Right. And we actually worked very closely with many families of foodborne illness victims who had perished because of contamination in their food or who became extremely ill. I mean, one girl I remember very well who um, was hospitalized for over a month. Her kidneys shut down and she almost died. She came to Washington several times. She's now, I believe, 13 years old. At the time, she was a few years younger. And she came and told her senator Senator Harry Reid, who's the majority leader of the Senate, that he really needed to work to pass this law. And I think that and the the stories of many other victims like her from across the country who came to Washington to tell their stories really made all the difference and got this law passed. Unfortunately, now we see some risk of there not being funding. And we're hopeful that a variety of members of the House and Senate will see the need for this. And actually, Senator Roy Blunt from Missouri is one of the key decision makers because he is actually the Republican lead senator on the appropriations subcommittee that has jurisdiction over FDA's budget. So we're hopeful that he and a lot of other members of the Senate and the House 
will recognize the need for funding for FDA and and support that. Eric, who would be opposed to funding food safety legislation? Well, you know, I think there are people of good faith that feel like the federal government is spending too much money. And I think it's hard to argue that every single federal program has 100% of their funding is completely defensible. But I have to say, you know, when my family sits around the kitchen table and makes a decision about what we're going to spend money on, um, just like the federal government, we would hope, you have to set priorities. You have to say, well, this is fundamental. You know, maybe we can give up going out to eat once in a while, but we really need to make sure that we're paying for the, the car payment or whatever. And I think this is, food safety is a fundamental, basic requirement that the federal government just has to be there and has to be funding the job so that we can be sure that people aren't getting sick. And this is not the kind of activity that ought to be cut. Unfortunately, there are a lot of other silly things we think that that were fully funded. I mean, one example is there's $200 million a year in marketing assistance to companies to sell their products overseas. Like $20 million was spent just on uh, fashion shows for the cotton industry paid for by federal tax dollars, and that whole $200 million was untouched by this budget. So I, I think what we need to do is set some priorities and say, look, there may be some things where we need to cut, but something as fundamental as the safety of the food on everybody's dinner plate is not where we ought to be cutting budgets. It would be nice, I think, for consumers to be able to see where the money does go. You know, it's very difficult to keep up with say, that $20 million that went to promote the fashion shows for the cotton industry. To me, that's corporations on welfare. But it's difficult for consumers to see those ledger sheets. Is there a place where we can go to be able to speak with our representatives more intelligently to say, can we put that $20 million in food safety, please? Well, I think rather than everyone in the country trying to master every penny that the federal government spends, which is a nightmare of a task. I think just weighing in with your senators and with your members of Congress and saying there may be areas, there probably are areas where we ought to be cutting the budget, and I'll leave it to you to figure that out, but something as basic as the safety of the food for my family is not where we should be cutting the budget, and we really ought to be funding what what the FDA has requested and said that they need to make sure our food supply is safe. So, you know, certainly there are plenty of websites out there about waste in um, in the federal budget, but I, I think it's probably more important just to say what is a priority, and I, I think something like food safety has just got to be a priority. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Eric Olson. He is Director of Food Programs for the Pew Health Group, and also an attorney. He has spent over 25 years looking at environmental policy and consumer advocacy. Eric, I have to go back to the talk that you gave in Philadelphia at the Association of Healthcare Journalists meeting. You had a terrific list of some of the inadequacies in food safety and really pointed the finger at why we so desperately need to revamp our food safety laws. And you mentioned that prior to the new law, inspections, food inspections, had only been done once every ten and a half years. That's right. And this was for high-risk food? Well, this is the uh, this is FDA's own numbers told us that prior to this new law, 
on average, they're inspecting facilities once every 10 and a half years. And, you know, some of those would be higher risk and some of them would be lower risk. But the fact that you could go several years between inspections, you know, a decade even between inspections just spoke to how broken the system is, I think. So part of this new law was to make inspections, especially for high-risk facilities, more frequent. And if FDA doesn't get the resources that they've requested, um, we're very concerned that the new requirements for more frequent inspections will fall by the wayside. I mean, another thing that is a huge problem is that FDA only inspected prior to this new law about 1% of the food imports that come into the U.S. from China and India and Mexico and other countries. And, you know, if you're letting 99% of the food imports come across our borders without even looking at them, that tells you that our safety net has some holes in it. Right. The new law does require more frequent inspections overseas, more frequent checks on imports, as well as a whole new system that the importers have to certify under penalties, um, very strict penalties if they lie, that the food was produced in a way that's consistent with U.S. standards. There will be more overseas auditing and, and coordination of FDA with new offices overseas and so on. Again, that's at grave risk if this these huge funding cuts that the House just passed actually are enacted into law. The Senate is supposed to move this bill, and we're hopeful that people of good faith, Senator Blunt has actually been fairly supportive of of FDA's food safety programs, and we're optimistic that he and Senator McCaskill and others will will see the need for strengthening the FDA food safety laws. So there are many other areas, and I I don't know how much time you have because there's so many other problems with the system, but suffice it to say that basically our system is, is woefully outdated. It's more than seven decades since the law was updated. Just now, as you mentioned at the top of your program, in January the law was finally changed for FDA, but we still have a lot of catching up to do. Well, I think one of the important points that was made at the conference was the fact that we don't really realize how much of our food is imported. And the other misconception that I think consumers have is that if a food is sold in the marketplace, we assume that it's going to be safe. We take that for granted. And one of the issues that I thought was rather remarkable to me was that, and please correct me if I don't have these numbers correct, but 80% of our seafood makes up the majority of our imports, and you're saying that only 1% is typically inspected? Yeah, 80% of our seafood that you will buy in the grocery store, 80% of that comes from um, foreign countries. Similarly, for a lot of our produce, um, especially during certain times of the year, the majority of um, the produce comes in from overseas. So um, it's actually two-thirds of fresh fruits and vegetables. So uh, the problem is that FDA just doesn't have the resources to deal with this problem. They're They just put out a report this week, the Food and Drug Administration did, essentially saying, we help, we can't do this. It's a very interesting report. Um, If you go to that website I mentioned, Mm makeourfoodsafe.org, you can see an article about this and navigate your way to the actual report. But what they said, among other things, was that just a decade ago, there were 6 million shipments of FDA-regulated goods. This year, there are 24 million so in one decade, it quadrupled um, the number of shipments that they need to check. 
And, you know, what, what we're seeing is that because we're importing more and more of our foods, there is a higher and higher risk that if contamination occurs in one of these foreign countries, that if we don't get a handle on this, uh, we're not going to detect it before it gets people sick here is you know, the lesson we just learned in the European Union where the German sprouts apparently were mm-hmm. causing widespread illnesses and something in the neighborhood of 35 to 40 deaths that we know of. You know, that kind of illness can easily cross borders if we're not careful and if we don't get our, a handle on this problem. Eric, you've spent over two decades in environmental health and safety what are the food and environmental issues that trouble you most? Well, I, I do worry about food safety. I mean, I don't mean to pick, paint a picture of, you know, this is a dire problem and everybody's going to die tomorrow. Um, I do think it's a serious issue, and people that try to make light of food safety problems really are not well-informed. Uh, I think that's clearly one area that, we really need to focus on. There's a lot of room for improvement. We know what to do. If we just were to put a relatively modest additional amount of resources into FDA, that it would really help with our food supply, and we're hopeful that that'll happen. I think there are other issues, obviously, with um, with our food supply and our, and the environment. I mean, we do worry about things like the heavy use of antibiotics, in animal agriculture, um, the overuse of it, even when when the animals aren't sick, to promote growth, that's an issue because it may increase the uh, likelihood of of resistance to the antibiotics that we all rely on for our lives when we get infected. So, uh, you know, I, I think those are two of the issues that I really do worry about, and and things that I think there's a a ready solution to if we just put our minds to it. Now, another issue that we should probably talk about has to do with the fact that the FDA is only one regulatory authority for food safety, and many of the recalls that I mentioned, for example, the meat recalls, the egg recalls, well, the egg recalls, I believe, are FDA, but but USDA is a separate entity, and they monitor meat and poultry, so even if... Best-case scenario, FDA gets all the funding we ask for. We still have this big gap in our food safety program with regard to meat and poultry. How do we fix that problem? It's a good question. So as you said, FDA regulates about 80% of the food supply. Basically, FDA regulates everything except for meat and poultry, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture, or USDA, regulates meat and poultry. The laws for... Meat and poultry, many of them have not been updated in about 30, 40, 50 years, um, depending on which law we're talking about. So there's been, again, a, a situation where the laws seem to be um, dated, and we really need to take a hard look. And actually, the Putaritable Trust we are right now, we've just launched a project to take a really hard look at the, the uh, meat and poultry laws and the programs to evaluate where changes might be necessary, where there might be gaps in the system. Um, And also, honestly, we're wondering, is there some overlap? Are there um, ways that we might improve public health protection if we dealt with these potentially conflicting or overlapping or gap-inducing system where we've got multiple different agencies that um, it's not actually just 
USDA and FDA that have a role. There was a recent audit that was done by um, the Government Accountability Office, which is the sort of the research arm of Congress, and they found that there were literally dozens of different agencies and sub-agencies involved in food safety and that there's a real risk that um, we have conflicting and overlapping um, jurisdiction in some areas. And um, they recommended that a, a pretty comprehensive review be done, and, and we've actually just started to undertake that. Mm-hmm. Very important. I know the Environmental Protection Agency is another example of an of an, another branch of government that has responsibility for looking out for our health, public health, with regard to our food right. system. I want to ask you first, I have a personal question for you, but before I get there, I want to make sure that you have time to leave our listeners with anything that I may have neglected to ask. Is there something that you want to leave our listeners with with regard to food safety? Well, I think the the most important thing is that there is hope. I mean, that there, Congress has passed this important law which shows that things can move even though it takes 70 years sometimes. <laughs> um, but I, I think where we are now is it, we're really at a critical point where that law could become a paper tiger or a toothless um, law if FDA does not get the resources it needs. So we're hopeful that um, people from Missouri and from elsewhere will contact um, Senator McCaskill and Senator Blunt and, and their members of Congress and just tell them how important it is to fund FDA's food safety activities. Um, I think that'll help. It'll send a positive signal. There are people beleaguered at FDA that really want to do their job, and um, these kind of budget cuts can be disheartening and honestly can also just cut to the bone and and uh, keep them from being able to do their jobs. All right. You ready for the personal question? Sure. All right. You're going out to dinner with your family. Are there certain items on the menu that you would encourage your loved ones to avoid? Well, you know, I I think that there are some things that are certainly higher risk than others. And certainly one thing that's just been recently highlighted um, as a concern is sprouts. Um, Because there are, if you look at the FDA list of outbreaks, um, there are a lot of outbreaks associated with sprouts on there. So, I mean, I, I would want to know what the source was and how safe it is likely to be. But, you know, if you go to makeourfoodsafe.org, there's actually a report on there that lists the foods that um, pose the highest risks. And um, I would encourage people to take a look at that. You know, if you know the farmer and if you know where the food's coming from, it may give you a lot more confidence in um, in what is being put on your dinner plate. So, That's one thing I would certainly encourage anyone to do. That's great advice. I want to let our listeners know we've been speaking with Eric Olson. He is the Director of Food Programs at the Pew Charitable Trust, Pew Health Group, and he has over two decades' worth of experience in environmental health policy, and now he is looking at food safety and looking at it through a very careful magnifying glass to see where we need changes. I want to emphasize the makeourfoodsafe.org website, to learn more about this. Another website you mentioned, Eric, was the Government Accountability Office. Uh, With a warning, I'll let our listeners know, once you go to that site, it's very hard to leave. Allow an hour at least. Great reports and investigative reports. 
Eric, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. This is a tremendously important topic. It affects us all. And what could be more important than our food safety? I want to remind our listeners that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. And thank you, Eric, for being my guest. Thank you, Melinda. It was an honor to be on your program. Thank you.